Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. It says Saturday, believe it or not, December the 10th, 2011. We have a fantastic show scheduled for you today, but this is live radio, as you well know. And our guest, uh, we saw that they were connected to the uh, switchboard for a bit, and we lost them. So my engineer is trying to reconnect uh, to our guest. And if you are listening, uh, please go ahead and come back into the switchboard. But I do have my engineers trying to make contact now. Now, like I said, this is live radio. So the show goes on, and hopefully we can make connection with this uh, great guest. I've been looking forward to this interview for some time, uh, a long time. And let me give you a little history. And like I said, in case uh, we cannot get reconnected, I'm going to continue to frame uh, the show today and uh, what I uh, what I believe is a very very important uh, show, and it's part of our continuing. Uh, effort uh, to bring awareness to uh, homeland security, uh, bring awareness to border control, immigration, drug control, uh, and those type of things, and uh, just another uh, twist and uh, way to just uh, allow our listeners, both in the U.S. and around the uh, world, to understand exactly uh, the the importance and live television radio does work. So I see that our guest is reconnected. Good morning, Captain. Hey, good morning, Tim. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I was just telling our guest this is live radio. My engineer saw you connect earlier. We don't know what happened, but uh, here you are, and we're so glad to have you on the show today. Well, I appreciate uh, allowing me to uh, participate in your show this morning. I tell you, uh, our mutual, uh, what I'm going to call our friend, Heather Isseron, visited you, what, several weeks ago? Yes, uh, she did. Yeah, it, was, it was a pleasure seeing her and having her come up here. I tell you, and she, she got back, and we were having coffee, and she says, Jim, you've got to have this guy, quote, on the show. It is fantastic what they're doing. Did you know that uh, Russia and Alaska is only this far apart? So, boy, I said, man, it's, 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 it's get him on the show and just talk about the 17th Guard District. And uh, you have such an impressive resume. It would take the entire show to read it all. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're being awfully kind there, and uh, so is Heather. So I appreciate that. But uh, things are very exciting up here, up in Alaska, uh, for the Coast Guard and also for the nation, for the U.S. as a whole. Uh, yeah. As you mentioned, Russia is just uh, 50 miles away across the Bering Strait, and there's a lot of things that are happening up in the Arctic. And I look forward to uh, sharing some of those things and some of my thoughts. Yeah. Uh- you know, it's it's very interesting when the, Heather and I were talking, and she was just sharing, um, you know, the distance. And and I think for most Americans, and I think for most people around the world, we, we tend to forget the geographic importance of Alaska as it relates to the bordering uh, uh, countries. I mean, it's it's right there, and it's a real challenge to secure those borders. Is it not, Captain? I guess it is. It's uh, well. It's uh, Alaska is uh, very large. Uh, we have uh, forty-four thousand uh, miles of coastline. Uh, wow. The lower forty-eight, there's only thirty-three thousand miles of coastline. So you can see uh, we have a large uh, coastline because that encompasses the Aleutian chain, which uh, 
runs out to the Bering Sea. And Alaska is a huge state. I mean, when you go from end to end, it basically stretches across the continental United States. So it's quite immense, and we border uh, two countries, Canada and Russia. Uh, they're very good uh, partners with us, collaboration on various issues like search and rescue, oil spill response type things. We work very closely with them and also uh, partnering with them to help secure our respective borders. Hmm. You know, to the south, I mean, there's no secret. I mean, we seem to get a lot of uh, press, you know, the 2,000-mile border and et cetera in the south of the country. But there's not a whole lot that I'm aware of or even in the press has talked about uh, border issues. Do we have issues from the north side uh, coming in for as drug trafficking and those type of things? Uh, I mean, what do we see coming from the north side? Anything? Well, on the north side, uh, you don't see the same kind of quantity of drugs that you see in the as you see in the southwest uh, border. Uh-huh. Uh, but there is some marijuana. There is some uh, small drugs that do move up. Uh, part of it is uh, probably uh, through some of the land borders and even part of the maritime borders. But it's very small quantities. Most of it's uh, personal use type quantities. But I'm not going to say that there is not any there. We work very closely with the state of Alaska the state troopers, and also our uh, our other federal partners uh, to, uh, like I said, to secure that and to tr- to try to stop any kind of flow of uh, contraband, illegal contraband that's coming through our borders uh, up through Canada. A lot, of, a lot of issues that we also work with up here is protecting our economic exclusive zone, our fisheries. Mm. Uh, the Bering Sea is probably is uh, for the U.S. It's the number one landing port in the nation. It's uh, it's valued at over one and a half billion dollars, probably closer to two billion dollar industry. Uh, the fisheries up in Alaska, and we do a lot to uh, protect our borders to make sure that we do not have any foreign fishing vessel encroachment uh, taking U.S. fish out of U.S. waters. So we mm. spend a lot of effort uh, protecting uh, that part of our our sovereignty and that part of our economy. Hmm. Is um, Alaska January the third, and I, every time I, I look at these numbers, 1959 came a state, and the correlation I made there is the I'm, I'm a huge space. Uh, uh, 1958 and uh, Russia put up Sputnik, and then the thing for NASA, and then we uh, ended up uh, Alaska coming in as our 49th state in 1959. In the history there, I'm just fascinated by the history and the natural resources and uh uh and and, and everything it's in 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 Alaska but once again I think it's one of those particular states that uh, not even our own people know a whole lot about would you agree or with that? Oh I I do agree with that uh I mean I'm very fond of the state of Alaska this is my second tour up here I asked to come up here both times uh it's such a wonderful beautiful state it's very majestic uh, in its grandeur and everything, and I, I encourage all Americans at least once in their lifetime, if they want to see Mother Nature at its grandest, they need to come to Alaska. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just beautiful, but it's also it's a harsh it's also a harsh climate area too. I mean, right now, uh, I think we were having close to just six hours of daylight where I'm at in uh, Juneau, Alaska, up in Barrow. It's dark until uh, uh, probably in uh, mid February before they start seeing some sunlight. So it can be a little harsh environment, but uh, the folks here are just uh, fantastic folks up in, up in Alaska. The Alaskans, they're hardy, they're very resilient. Uh, and uh, like I said, it's its such a big community here. Uh, even though it's a large state, it's basically it's a small-town atmosphere. It's very much community-orientated. But with that, the natural resources that this state supplies uh, for our nation is just immense. As I talked about fisheries, it's number one uh, landing fisheries for the United States. Uh, like I said, $2 billion industry on that aspect of it, oil and gas production. As you know, on the early 70s with uh, uh, the Trans-Alaska pipeline system that that comes out of Valdez uh, supplies oil, uh, as well as up to uh, 12% of uh, the nation's oil is coming from Alaska. Yeah, and um, I actually... uh worked in that area at that time in the 70s, excuse me, 
was with a company called Ingersoll Rand, so I was uh, had an opportunity to come in and out on the pipeline during the 70s when that was being constructed. So I, I do have firsthand experience of the area, and it is harsh, but it is beautiful. Yes, it is. And then, you know, and then min, uh, minerals. Uh, yeah. Like, like zinc. Uh, the, Alaska has the world's largest and richest zinc mine up here. Uh, coal, I mean, coal is coming out. I mean, there's, there's so much uh, uh, minerals that are also uh, being ex- extracted out of Alaska and timber, re- renewable resources such as timber, too. So those are just some of the things. And now we also have uh, possible offshore exploration, too, of oil and gas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how about a little history lesson for our listeners? And uh, just to give you an idea, we we normally have about 500,000 people tuning in to the show, either live or replay. And uh, we have a huge audience uh uh, and I'm thankful for it, not only in the United States, but in India and Brazil. And uh, so, so it's, 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 and, and they love the show because probably not necessarily me, but they love the wonderful guests such as you to being able to share uh, information and they can hear the passion with all of my guests and, and, and they just love it. So the Coast Guard, I think this could be an accurate statement, is probably the most misunderstood agency in the U.S. (laughs) Am I stretching it to say that? I I don't want to say misunderstood. Uh, We like to quietly do our our duties uh, for America. Uh, And we kind of just let our deeds uh, do our speaking uh, for us. Uh, I mean, it's a workforce of just uh, 49,000 full-time employees, and that includes about uh, 41,000 active duty members and uh, just short of 8,000 civilian employees, but we also have some part-time reservists, uh, close to 8,000 reservists, and then we have a volunteer workforce of uh, 33,000 auxiliaries that also help us out. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Boy, so that's about 70,000, 80,000 people involved in your efforts. Yes, and and I can go over some of the statistics. I will have to say, you know, I'm very proud of the Coast Guard. Uh, I will... Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very passionate about what we do. I mean, we we protect those that are on the sea. We protect the nation from threats delivered by the sea, and we protect the sea itself. Uh, and those are very broad terms, but uh, th- that basically is our essence. I mean, we are locally based, we're nationally deployed, and we're globally connected. And what I mean by that is our forces are scattered throughout the entire United States. We're embedded within the communities. Our our bases, right. our cutters are part of the various communities that we serve. Right. Uh, we're nationally deployed. We're all over the nation. Uh, and, in fact, we're actually uh, deployed throughout the globe. We have uh, people, we have uh, forces in the Arabian Gulf right now uh, helping with Iraqi freedom, uh, securing their oil platforms there. Uh, with the Department of Defense, because that's uh, fueling uh, about 95% of uh, Iraqi's gross national product is coming from those oil platforms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also train uh, other maritime nations on, on how to protect their fisheries, uh, marine transportation system. Uh, last year, we engaged in 51 countries uh, wow. nationwide and also uh, looking at uh, their compliance standards with international uh, codes and things mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. We also, uh, just last year, saved over 22,000, uh, well, we saved uh, uh, 4,300 lives responding to 22,000 search and rescue cases. 22,000 search and rescue? Yes. Wow. Uh, like I said, saving uh, 4,300 lives and property valued at over $84 million. Uh, we responded to 36,000 pollution incidents. Wow. Wow. Uh, we wow. conducted over 11,000 inspections on, on vessels, uh, uh, 9,000 safety of life at sea, what we call port state control uh, safety and environmental exams on foreign vessels that are visiting our ports to make sure they're in compliance with U.S. standards to operate safely in our waters. Right. Working with uh, various states throughout the nation, we conducted over 1.5 million uh, recreational boating safety boardings. Right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the word that I use, misunderstood, and I want to clarify my comment on that. Where I was going with that was it's an agency, as you say, goes about its business, 
and it's kind of this uh, military, not military. And could you talk about that a little bit, and especially post 9-11, because now uh, the Coast Guard is part of the Homeland Defense. Could you share a little uh, legal structure there and the broad powers that the Coast Guard uh, has? Yes. Uh, well, we are a military multi-mission mm -hmm. uh, service organization. Uh, we are a military organization. Mm. Uh, but we do have broad authorities because uh, under Title X uh, of the U.S. Code, we, are, we also have law enforcement authorities, and we have very broad authorities on that. So uh, we have what we call Title X authorities where we can work with the Department of Defense, Mm -hmm. And like I said, and in Title 14 authorities, law enforcement authorities. Uh, but we are first and foremost a military organization, and we are a multi-mission organization. And what I mean by that is our forces, our platforms are trained to do many missions. Mm -hmm. uh, so when our cutters deploy, they can go out there and do a search and rescue mission, and then they can uh, shift hats real quick and go into a law enforcement mission if they feel that there's a threat. Mm -hmm. uh, Drugs or, or illegal migrants trying to come in, or to make sure our fishery uh, is uh, is being enforced properly. And if there is a national defense threat, they can shift hats and go into that mode, partnering up with our, our defense partners, uh, Department of Defense, uh, our Navy, armed forces, uh, forces, and they can all do this uh, in and out uh, on a, any given patrol. Hmm. Uh, so that, that's what makes us very unique, and it is has yeah. to do with those uh, legal authorities that uh, Congress has uh, vested uh, to us, and and we are very uh, uh, we're very sensitive to making sure we do not abuse all those powers and those authorities that have been vested mm -hmm. into us, mm -hmm. and that has gone throughout our whole history. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that was going to be a follow-up question there, uh, uh, but it was. Is these powers, has that always been the case with the Coast Guard since uh, is 1700s or 1790, whenever you guys came into existence? Has it always been that broad of a power base? Uh, yes, it has. I mean, 1790 is our founding. Alexander Hamilton uh, is uh, the Secretary of uh, Treasury, and he realized right. as, our, as our nation was uh, a fledgling nation and we were growing that we had to protect uh, our, our commerce. We also had to ensure that we collected uh, proper tariff and our taxes uh, from goods because at that point in time uh, there was a lot of uh, pirateers. Uh, smuggling was uh, was prevalent uh, uh, with the British colonies. So as we became a new nation, we had to make sure we can collect the right taxes to uh, secure the nation and also protect the nation in and of itself. Uh, the Coast Guard has fought in every major war that the nation has been involved in. Wow. And, and these broad uh, authorities, like I said, were given to us at the first part of Congress, at the early Congress. Uh -huh. And over the years, other agencies have folded in with the Coast Guard, and those uh, authorities have come with us. Fascinating. I just find this absolutely fascinating. And one thing that you were talking uh, jumped out at me, and uh, probably not the first time you've ever heard this, but there was a great movie, you know where I'm going with this, The Guardian with Kevin Cosner, right? Yes, yes. I, uh, I, I, oh, please, go ahead, Jim. No, I, I was going to say, I bet you that uh, helped recruit him, didn't it? That was a wonderful film. Oh, yes, film. it did. Uh, <laughs> that, and that's still, I, I think, a favorite among all Coast Guard's men and women is, is that movie, as well as some of the recent shows that have now been uh, coming up on television about uh, Alaska's Coast Guard. Uh, so I think uh, the nation has an affection for their U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, it is, uh, I mean, that role there really highlights our rescue swimmers. Yeah. Uh, these uh, brave young men and women that are uh, flying out above the seas uh, to save lives, and it seems like nobody gets in trouble on a nice day, so it's always uh, rough <laughs> up here in Alaska. It, it, it's amazing where the desk I sit in, uh, Every morning I see uh, search and rescue cases that our brave men and women are doing on a daily basis, and I'm just in awe of what they can do. And, and that movie is a good depiction of a lot of what they do, jumping out of the aircraft in stormy seas and, and pulling off uh, uh, mariners that are in distress. And it's just very awe-inspiring and humbling to know what these brave men and women do for their country. Boy, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. It's interesting. You talk about the uh, that uh, TV show, uh, and, and one of my producers preparing for the show, he, he brought that to my attention. So you know what I did last night? I watched one of those episodes. 
Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's very exhilarating and inspiring. It, it makes you proud. I tell you, I was sitting there saying, "Yeah, I'm going to talk to this <laughs> to one of their representatives <laughs> tomorrow," and uh, it, it's it's great. And, and and we need that, in my opinion, for the country. We need stuff to be proud of. And yes, uh, yes. And, and when you're around these young men and women, uh, you just get a sense of awe, and and you do feel proud that uh, being part of the United States. The United States, uh, they just want to serve their country. They don't ask for anything. Uh, they, it's humanitarian service. A large part of our creed is being a humanitarian service, and they just want to be out there and help their country and uh, their citizens and protect all manners that are around the water. Yeah, I I, I love that. And it's uh, I often think with all the work and you know, our radio and our television and our uh, consulting practice we have, and we, we, we're I'm, I'm always looking for the behavioral aspect. What what makes an individual to make a choice to do whatever he or she chooses to do? What I call their purpose in life, right? I believe everybody has that unique purpose, and and I don't think that's more exemplified in the uh, women and men that or in the uh, Coast Guard and other agencies, especially in this time when it's all volunteer. Yes, it's an all-volunteer force. Uh, we're considered America's maritime first responders. Uh, that's right. what our men and women are trained to do, to be able to respond to uh, incidents out there uh, in all kinds of hazards. Uh, like I said, the stormy seas, or if there's major oil spills like we saw in the Gulf of Mexico uh, last year. Uh, major other incidents, groundings, and also defending our country. I mean, defending our homeland is a is a large part of what we do. That's why we're in the Department of Homeland Security is to help secure our borders from any kind of threat that could be emanating from the sea. Mm-hmm. And, and these folks, uh, like I said, we we protect America's prosperity, our maritime safety and security. Uh, we're, we're part of the fabric of our maritime communities. Uh, like I said, we're. We are uh, merit, uh, the Homeland Security on the Maritime Force. Hmm. We've got to get a quick break in here. We've got to pay the bills. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> understand. I understand. So we've got to get a quick break. And we come back, uh, if we could, I'd like to kind of drill down uh, of the Homeland Security and, and some things that You've seen post 9/11, if you will, the changes been made there because this homeland security thing is, is I think, I mean, it's become this huge organization. And uh, working with the, the people at Naval Postgraduate School, Heather, and the Center for Homeland Defense and Security is just fascinating. It's an opportunity to just continue to bring awareness to the American citizens that. Yeah, it takes money in order to be able to protect us. Does that make sense? Can we talk about that a little bit after the break? Uh, Yes, Jim. Look forward to it. Okay. We'll be back in 45 seconds. Uh, Stand by. This segment is brought to you by Circle of Success, a dynamic, year-long, intensive management and leadership development process designed to help individuals and organizations reach their goals quickly. A customized process addressing specific needs and identifying the critical opportunities particular to the individual and organization with results measured in increased revenue, increased net profits, and increased equity. The Circle of Success, inspiring excellence in people at jlwhiteinternational.com slash circles. We are back with Captain Custard. Uh, Captain Custard is the Chief of Staff of the 17th Guard District in Alaska. And, uh, buddy, I'm going to say, I love your passion. I just want to let you know. I love it. Just love it. It just, it just shows. It just shows. And it's great. Well, we are probably not the first radio talk show person you've heard to say this. So we... we we as the United States, we have some great opportunities. That's the way I look at it. And uh, some of these opportunities is putting people to work and to making sure that uh, our borders are secure, as we've been talking about. Uh, and this agency that came together uh, post 9-11, Homeland Security, uh, most people don't realize that 
I mean, there was a whole bunch of different agencies that came under this one. Can you, I mean, this could be a year show, but could you kind of, uh, what is Homeland Security? What, what's, in, what's involved in it? I mean, what's their powers? What are they here to do as, you, as from your perspective? Well, the Department of Homeland Security, when it was founded, was uh, uh, founded by uh, 22 agencies came together to, to create the Department of Homeland Security. And it has uh, uh, been maturing since then. And, and I'll have to say, you know, the, over in the broad sense of thing, we're here to help uh, secure our maritime uh, borders, but also secure all our various uh, intermodal system, transportation system, our trades, you know, specifically for the Coast Guard, uh, our marine uh, our maritime transportation system. Ninety percent of global trade moves by the sea, which fuels, you know, Millions of jobs and industries. Uh, just in the U.S., 78% of all U.S. international trade is by the sea, and 66% of U.S. crude oil is transported by the sea. So you can see the enormity yep. of uh, for the Coast Guard working within the Department of Homeland Security to ensure that transportation system remains safe and secure. Yeah, I can yeah. say uh, when the department was created, a lot of it was to create unity of effort across mm -hmm. all the agencies, because we all have various uh, authorities, but we want to make sure that our authorities will complement each other and will work with each other. Mm -hmm. And I will have to say, I think it's been a great success, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, because these agencies that did come together, uh, the various agencies, Customs, Border Patrol, INS, and a host of others, they, we are all working well together. We have joint command centers at our various ports. Uh, so that uh, we share our information. Uh, we are embedding, we, and it's just not within the Department of Homeland Security. We also work with the other agencies, such as the FBI. Mm -hmm. We also work very closely with our state partners, too, state and local agencies. So when you go to a major port, L.A., mm -hmm. uh, New York, and a lot of other major ports, when you go into these command centers, you're going to see that it's just not a Coast Guard uniform in there. You're going to see a lot mm -hmm. of other uniforms in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Or agencies that are there, and if and in some command centers they might not house everybody there, but they are connected with each other mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. through partnerships. One of the things that really came out of uh, uh, the aftermath of 9/11, besides uh, this unity of effort across uh, the federal agencies, is this partnership with the local agencies and with industry. We have a lot of uh, for the Coast Guard. We do a lot of. Uh, uh, port committees, uh, port mm -hmm. security committees, uh, mm -hmm. routine. Uh, these are standing committees that are comprised of all port partners, which is the federal families, uh, the appropriate agencies, and the federal, the state, the local, and industry. And they mm -hmm. all work together on, okay, how can we ensure our systems are protected, whether it's the intermodal system, the marine transportation system, our networking system, mm -hmm. our IT systems. How do we pr protect all this? So everything uh, moves safely and freely, and how are our citizens protected? So also threats uh, that these systems, our intermodal systems, our transportation systems, are not exploited to transport uh, uh, terrorists uh, or other uh, trans uh, criminals, other crimes or anything else, or to bring in uh, equipment or weapons that could be used against our, our nation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we had mentioned Heather Isseron that's been in part of the Center of Homeland Defense and Security. And that's one of the great things that, when again, I think the best kept secrets is what that agency is doing. And it's just doing all the things you're talking about, bringing, you know, getting states and private industry and other people to talk and share information. And, uh, I mean, everybody involved in this security thing are individuals and as such we got unique dna and sometimes we come very possessive of our own stuff right <laughs> so oh yes i mean i i was fortunate to be able to go through that program at the the center for homeland uh, defense and security at the naval postgraduate school at the executive leaders program uh yeah. with heather and the and the staff and i right. have to say that was a very enlightening program and it is a one of those little best-kept secrets. I know I've been spreading the word throughout my community in the Coast Guard to go there because it, it was, uh, one, it was very enlightening. It was very heartening. To, I mean, I just love the passion everybody was bringing to it from their various agency. But it was a great point to bring in all these folks from various agencies together 
and as we mentioned, also at the, the, the state and local level. So I'm very familiar with the federal and the Coast Guard side of the house, but it, I was amazed and uh, how much I learned uh, from uh, my fellow cohorts, uh, the fire police chiefs, uh, mm-hmm. regular mm-hmm. state police chiefs, uh, industries, security people from uh, various uh, uh, major uh, corporations were also there, and the dialogue. And I can tell you, everybody, everybody had the same passion about we're here as public service to serve America. Yeah. Uh, some were serving it within their local community. Some were at, uh, more at the state level and at the, the national level. But every one of them was committed to serving their fellow citizens in the United States and that passion to be able to go in that room and to hear the dialogue. And these are first responders. These were security mm-hmm. officials. And and the cross-pollinization and the sharing of ideas and the unity of effort uh, was was amazing. And then they go back out, and they're taking that passion, what they've learned in their various agencies, and it's getting all pulled together. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I recently had on a, a show several of the graduates from from the center, and so we've been doing a series over the past few months just to – Trying to bring awareness to the not only American people around the globe that, uh, hey, we're doing some pretty good stuff here and our heart's in the right place. <laughs> we, we, we believe everybody has a right to a quality of life that they choose, but, uh, uh, but don't, don't go around infringing on other people's rights, if you, if you will. And this is the message, and uh, we've started a series on the Constitution and Declaration, so you kind of get a flavor of what we're doing here, and, and it's really – coming to life and one of the uh graduates uh he's an inspector at the new york police department uh amin kasin i don't know if if he was in any of your things you do but reason i bring it up amin is one of the highest uh uh, ranking um uh folks in the new york police department uh from the uh you know from from the uh persia region and Mm -hmm. And he's put together this program with the uh, chief of police in New York, support of uh, Mayor Bloomberg, where they went into the Muslim communities. Yeah. And he put together these uh, cricket and actually in the development and and the change that's making for these young men and women. And that's just some of the things that's coming out of this uh, center. And like you said, that cross-pollinization, it just gives me chills when he was uh, sharing that information on the show. Yes, I think that that's great. I mean, a lot of uh, uh, what a, a lot of agencies are doing is just uh, outreach efforts into the community. Uh, uh, the safety and security of our nation is at all, it requires everybody, all citizens, to help out with that. Uh, it's just not uh, the sole responsibility of individual nations, but it's uh, all of Americans that are, are, are asked to, to assist with that. And a lot of that is uh, just outreach, uh, working in dialogue with each other, because as you just mentioned earlier, there is a delicate balance with uh, security and our liberties. Right. We very much, as Americans, cherish our liberties. Uh, and But with security, uh, there is that balance. I mean, we can be very secure by taking away a lot of liberties and uh, uh, telling people where they have to go, when they have to go, and how they have to do it. But that's not America, and that's not what we want whatsoever. So it's it's working with the communities. It's finding that balance, uh, and, and it's having that uh, proactive dialogue. And mm-hmm. all Americans cherish uh, what's in our Constitution, what our forefathers uh, uh, penned. Uh, we want to uh, uh, have a, a very prosperous life, uh, liberty. Uh, we cherish that, what's in our Constitution, our free speech, uh, our practice uh, of our religions, uh, the whole host of things, and we want to pursue uh, happiness. Uh, I, I, couldn't agree, I couldn't agree with you more, and I know – your agency, you do huge outreach as well. I, yes, we do. I, I'll use just the uh, state of Alaska as an example. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, uh, for the state of Alaska, there's a large uh, uh, Alaska Native uh, population up here, uh, the indigenous uh, individuals. Uh, there's uh, 229 federally recognized tribes up in Alaska out of the 565 throughout the nation. Uh, the Coast Guard very much uh, works uh, well with uh, the Alaska Natives. Uh, we make a concerted effort to uh, 
have a proactive outreach program with them because they have the traditional knowledge we do not necessarily have about living and working up here in Alaska. Uh, mm-hmm. They they are they want to protect uh, their their culture. We respect that, and we want to help protect that culture as industry uh, expands uh, throughout the state of Alaska. We want to hear their concerns, uh, and we cannot do our job without their support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of it is is they know the lay of the land, they know the country, they know the environment. Uh, right. And they can help us. And and it's a great partnership. Uh, we were able to create a full-time tribal liaison officer up in Alaska to help facilitate so we understand uh, their various cultures. Uh, I, I think that's, that's great. You, you know, I am, and, and bear with me, we got some emails coming in uh, and questions for you from the public. Yes, please. And, uh, just, just take a few if you don't mind. Oh, be happy to. Uh, one of them is from, uh, he says, I'm an 18-year-old, and uh, I have uh, desire for the Coast Guard Academy. How do I proceed? Well, they should be able to uh, go to a recruiting command to get some information but also another way to do it is to actually go to a Coast Guard command mm-hmm. and ask to uh, speak to one of the officers there. Mm-hmm. And that officer will be able to help that uh, young individual to be able to get the information about the Coast Guard Academy. A lot of information can be found on the website. Mm-hmm. I would recommend going to the Coast Guard Academy website just to get some initial preliminary information about uh, how to uh, get into the Coast Guard. It is a competitive, it is not a congressional, so it's it's purely competitive. But I would also reach out to a Coast Guard facility, an air station, a Coast Guard cutter, a large district office, and ask to speak to a Coast Guard officer about your, that individual's interest in getting into the Coast Guard Academy. Okay. And that person will be able to help them under, uh, get the right information, get put them into the contact. And that puts a face to them. That that's good, and as you were uh, talking, uh, uh, buddy, it was in a print here. Is it a congressional like the uh, Naval or West Point? And you answer that it is not. It is a competitive process. It's purely a competitive process, just like uh, other major universities. Yeah. Okay. Good. And it's, right, a, and it's a fantastic institution. The yeah. Coast Guard Academy. Yeah. Thank you, and uh, thank you for the email. Uh, we have another one, if you don't mind taking another one. Oh, please. Uh, um, what is the budget, and how is the money spent? Huh? I'm I'm just reading the emails, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, Good question, uh, though. Good question. It's, uh, but it's kind of a challenging question, but anyway, let's throw it out there. So the budget okay, nope. the uh, our budget right now is uh, just over $10 billion is what, what our current budget is. Uh-huh. Uh, the exact apportionment, I can't quite give you the percentage. A large yeah. part of it goes and pays the, the salaries of all the 49,000 employees. But the operational side of the house, the operational budget, our priorities is about sustained mission excellence uh, for our operations, uh, to uh, keep our units uh, operating, our planes, our boats, our cutters, uh, it's also to recapitalize and build our capacities. Uh, many of our ships are, are getting old, over 40 years old, so we are invested in new cutters, our large uh, national security cutters. Uh, we have our, our fast response cutters that we're building, uh, new aircraft, our marine patrol aircraft, and our uh, some new small boats, some uh, high-tech small boats, our response boats, mediums, and then uh, new sensor capabilities to help us. Uh, uh, we're searching rescue cases with border security, uh, communications and networking, so a lot of it is going to that. It's also going to enhance our crisis response and management, uh, how we respond to incidents. As I mentioned, we're America's uh, maritime first responders, so we're investing a lot in that, in uh, teaching our workforce and and, and maintaining uh, uh, their competencies uh, so that they are not just uh, competent, but they are quite proficient in how they execute their their missions. 
and we're prepared for the future. Uh, we're mm-hmm. building up, uh, like I said, our families, our military families, ensuring they're well cared for with housing, child care, work life, and looking to the future, such as Arctic. So that's where a lot of uh, the budget mm-hmm. is going. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. A uh, couple more, if you don't mind. We have a inquiry, and it's making reference to your Title 14. And the question is, is that the authority when you were talking about we had Coast Guard men and women, say, in Iraq or, or uh, on the platforms? So what's the authority well, uh, that they're operating? Uh, the ones that are operating over in Iraq, uh, they're supporting the Department of Defense, so they're working under Title 10 authority okay. over there. Uh Domestically, we mainly uh, when we're working uh, domestically, we're usually under Title 14 okay. authorities. When we're doing uh, our ports, our, our ports, uh, coastal waterways uh, security, when we're doing our law enforcement boardings, that's under uh, our Title 14 authorities. Yeah. So protecting marine transportation system, uh, doing all the inspections at facilities and on on the ships, uh, we're using Title 14 there. Okay, good, good. Uh, I have another email, and this one is from Bangalore, Maine. No, correction. India. Sorry, I misread it. Sorry, my ah, apologies. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, Bangalore, India. Uh, how can you, how does the Coast Guard support third Third nations, if you will. That's that's the word. And I'm, I I try not to edit the emails, buddy. So we just, we just take up the best we can. Okay. No, I understand. Uh, well, like I said, uh, the Coast Guard does a lot of uh, outreach with other nations. Uh, last year, we worked with uh, 51 other nations, uh, training uh-huh. almost 3,000 uh, host country participants. A lot of what we trained them on is uh, law enforcement uh, duties. Mm-hmm. Most countries, uh, Navy. Coast Guard looks closer to the Coast Guard than our U.S. Navy. Uh, I so, see. Yeah. So they come to okay. us uh, for a lot of uh, uh, benchmark uh, to do uh, training. So we send a lot of training teams out to these countries uh, to teach how to do fisheries enforcement, how to do search and rescue, uh, how to build up a network and types of good platforms for their area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also work with uh, various countries uh, to ensure that their ports are uh, have the the right protection and security systems in place. We work, uh, like I said, uh, we're working with a lot of uh, African partnerships, uh, uh, countries in Africa, to teach them how to protect their EEZ. The Coast Guard is very much in part of uh, natural disaster, humanitarian release, natural disaster. In the Caribbean, for an example, during the hurricane season, Unfortunately, uh, many of the hurricanes are very destructive, and right. they have uh, caused a lot of destruction to some of the Caribbean islands. Right. Uh, so we provide a lot of humanitarian assistance for those countries. When mm-hmm. Haiti had that massive right. earthquake in 2010, it was right. actually the Coast Guard cutters and forces that were the first ones on scene for the U.S. government providing assistance. Because wow. we have uh, numerous Coast Guard cutters that were on patrol in the Caribbean when that earthquake happened. A lot right. of our forces uh, went in there to uh, help the Haitians, and it was the Coast Guard that helped uh, get uh, Port Prince, uh, the port there, open so that they can get a lot of humanitarian supplies in there. And then uh, we started working very closely with, uh, like I said, and we we're working very closely with the Department of State, uh, USAID, and the Department of Defense in getting uh, humanitarian assistance, disaster relief uh, to those countries. Uh, yeah. When, uh, uh, like I said, uh, this. The tsunami earthquake happened in Japan. We uh, right. provided assistance out there, too. Wow, wow. We have another email. The email is beginning to come in, and we'll take a couple more. And you believe it. Uh, we got 15 minutes remaining in the show. You see how fast Oh, wow, it's amazing going? how fast that's going. I tell you, and you're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Um, here's one, and this is has to do with uh, maybe you know what you're talking about. Uh, did... Did the Coast Guard give – this is from Nigeria. Is, yes. Uh, he, uh, we gave we, them two Coast Guard cutters, uh, uh, and one of them was uh, a former ship that I used to command, the Coast Guard Cutter Chase, uh, was decommissioned, and it wow. was given to the Nigerian Navy. Wow. Somebody's on top of her game here. Yes. 
And like I said, well, that one, I, I'm very sensitive. Well, not sensitive. I, I know that one just because that used to be a ship that I commanded uh, several years ago. I see. And what's that What's that ship used for? And I think you, you, you stated it very clear. A lot of these different countries, navies kind of, or similar to our Coast Guard, if you will. So these cutters are used for rescue. What, what do they use this for? I mean, okay. Uh, like I said, the, the U.S., we use the cutters for search and rescue, law enforcement, okay. fisheries enforcement, uh, national defense. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding, uh, like Nigeria, they're going to use it for the same aspect, uh, to protect wow. their exclusive economic zone, to help mariners in distress, and also just to protect their borders. Very good. Thank you for the uh, folks who are sending these emails. Good good questions. And that one, I had not clue what you were talking about, so I'm glad we had you on the radio. That's what you're here for. <laughs> you know this stuff. Uh, do we do that quite frequently when we decommission some of these things, uh, make them available for other governments? Yes, we do. For military sales is, uh, is common practice. Uh, if we have a, a platform... Uh, that it, it, a lot of times it's a lot cheaper for the other nations, especially uh, ones that don't have as uh, as large a budget, to uh, right. buy an existing platform from the United States, and then they mm-hmm. take it back and they'll they'll invest some of their monies to, to make it specific for the missions that they want. But it's it's cheaper for them to do it that way than to build from brand new. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, These are proven platforms. Yeah, I heard you say that a lot of our fleet. Is about 40 years old? Yes, that's correct. Uh, many of our cutters, like uh, uh, the Chase, uh, is an older platform. It was built mm-hmm. in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Many of our ships are are old, uh, over 40 years old, and we need to recapitalize and get new ships, and that's what we're working on right now. Uh, we're building the new national security cutters. They're uh, over 400 feet mm-hmm. with the latest in technology. We're building... Uh, what we call our fast response cutters, uh, I believe 150 some feet. I, I can't remember the exact uh, length, but they're they're going to be our coastal patrol craft, uh, uh, working within 200 miles, protecting the borders. Uh, like I said, small boats, mm-hmm. uh, response mediums. Uh, these are 45 foot uh, fast response boats for search and rescue, and uh, and, and also uh, homeland security. So. Uh, and we are looking at uh, we need to build uh, medium-range cutters, our offshore hmm. patrol vessels, to replace our 210-foot and 270-foot uh, medium-endurance cutters. So, as well as some of our buoy tenders, our inland water buoy tenders are, are, are really old. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are pushing, I think, over 50 years old. So we, we need to start uh, rebuilding our fleet so we can continue to serve America. Do we have any... Uh, say 2012, 13. Do you have any new ships coming on board to be commissioned in the near future? Uh, yes, we do. We have uh, yeah. a national security cutter that is going to be uh, uh, coming online here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we are building a couple more, and uh, we're hoping uh, Congress will support uh, the continued development because uh, we would like to have uh, eight of them. Right now we have two in service. One should be coming online here pretty soon. Uh, they're building a fourth. I think we have budget for the fifth, and we're asking uh, for three more. Hmm. And we hope uh, we gain that support. That's great. That's, that's, that's good. I would be remiss if I did not bring up in this uh uh, wonderful resume you have, and I'm going to bring it up because it's a personal interest of mine. And this is the uh, the tall ships. You were a watch officer there. What? Uh, oh, uh, the the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle is yeah. America's tall ship. It's yeah. A, it's a fully functional uh, ship. It was a war prize from World War II uh, yeah. from Germany, uh, and it, like I said, it was uh, renamed the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle. It's a uh, Birthed and it's home ported in New London, uh, Connecticut, at the Coast Guard Academy. It's oh. used to train uh, our future uh, Coast Guard officers at the academy and also that attend officer candidate school. It's uh, if you ever get the chance to go on board her decks, her teak decks, and and see that ship, I encourage everybody. Oh. Like I said, it's America's tall ship. It's a beautiful ship, especially when she's under full sail. Uh, when I was a junior officer, I had to. Uh, the privilege to sail on many cruises, wow. uh, short cruises along the East Coast, and I was able to uh, get qualified to sail uh, to uh, 
be a deck watch officer under power and sail and yeah. it's it's amazing i mean it really goes back to the old times uh when it the ship was under full sail and all of a sudden it's healed over at maybe 10 uh 12 degrees under sail and it's just clipping right along doing about uh 12 knots and there's no engine and you it's just quiet and you're just hearing the ship just kind of slice through the water the sails just doing a little flapping it's like wow this is this is pretty amazing it, is. it really is something it's a beautiful ship uh like you said uh america can can take a lot of pride in that ship and i encourage all americans when she does happen to sail into their your port to get on board that ship I saw her, uh, I, I used to live in Boston for a period of time, and I got over there, and I stood there with my mouth hanging open. Man, what a beautiful sight. Yes, it is. And I, I know uh, every summer she does a lot of uh, pray-to-sail type events yep. uh, through the various big ports. Yeah. I, I don't know what's upcoming this summer. Sometimes she also sails across uh, the Atlantic over into Europe and participates in several uh, big sailing events there this year. And uh, about once a decade, she's able to get on the West Coast. Yeah. Well, we have to look at the calendar for the West Coast. Bring her to Monterey. Yeah. That's it. Oh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Bring her to Monterey. I'd like to get her up to Alaska, too, sometime. Yeah, there you go. Um, we have eight minutes remaining. And... What can the American people do to support your mission? Uh, I know that's a tough question. I, well, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a tough question. Okay. Uh, I think America is supporting. Uh, yeah. Like I indicated, we're we're locally based. Uh, yeah. We're in the communities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are. We're part of that community. Up in Alaska, we like to say we're part of Alaska's DNA. I mean. Uh, the Coast Guard was up here, up in Alaska, before Alaska was a state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were the enforcement uh, agency up here. We were the rescue agency. Uh, a lot of the exploits about driving reindeer and saving uh, uh, whalers, that was from the Coast Guard, our revenue cutters. Uh, I was stationed along uh, the West Coast at numerous ports in Coos Bay and Astoria. We're part of that community. And I'd say what we ask is just to continue to support, and we have that uh, from mm-hmm. everybody. And and I firmly believe a lot of that is because we are part of those communities. Mm-hmm. And I just ask, uh, uh, and a lot of that, it's not just asking for their support. We have to make sure that we are continuing to earn that support mm-hmm. and doing what we are expected to do as uh, as public servants uh, for America. So it's a two-way streak. I mean, yeah. our job is to to serve uh, to serve America, to protect our nation. Like I said, to protect lives, those who uh, use the sea, and and to protect the sea itself, to protect the environment, and and that's our call uh, for the nation. And I can say, the nation I think loves their Coast Guard, and I just ask for their their continued support on that. And I I believe we have that. Uh, we're part of those communities, and it's it's a very rewarding job. Yeah. Would you uh, allow an old uh, – I'll be careful how I term that. I'm talking about myself, an old Army uh, ex-Special Forces guy to come and look at your Coast Guard in Alaska one day? Oh, Jim, I would be happy to host <laughs> you. And I have an affinity for the Army. Uh, my dad was career Army, and his dad before him was career Army. So my grandfather and my dad were both career Army, so I grew up Army. So – uh, I, I would love to show you around, and like you said, I was privileged to be able to attend the Army War College yeah, uh, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. So yeah. uh, I do have a soft spot for uh, good for Army. <laughs> good, good, because I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to do that. Uh, I, I'm just so so excited, and uh, I want to thank you. Uh, and I also want to uh, reach out and publicly thank your POA, uh, uh, Veronica. Uh, she did a great job of trying to coordinate. I know I was difficult to get in touch with the past couple of days. I was kind of behind. <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, Jim, I really appreciate uh, allowing me the opportunity to talk about uh, the Coast Guard. Uh, the men and women of the Coast Guard, uh, like I said, they're doing tremendous things uh, uh, for their nation. Uh, you see a lot of the exploits on television about the heroic search and rescue, but they're just doing many things beyond that to protect yeah. our nation, to protect the environment, and and to protect uh, uh, 
like I said, uh, any kind of threats that might be emanating from the sea. And yeah. they're, they're just doing t- tremendous stuff. And, and I'm I, very just proud to be affiliated with this organization. Well, I can I can hear it in your voice, and I appreciate it. And before I bid you good day, I'm going to ask. I know, and I'm not going to your, – your, your wife is an author of children's book, and being an author myself, uh, tell her, keep up author, because that is absolutely a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. So I, I, I see it on your bio that she's uh, – any give her a plug for some of her books. Well, she's a children's book author. Uh, she's got four books in publication. Her recent one, The Crowded Backyard, has won several national awards. Uh, recently, a gold medal in the Mom's Choices Awards and a finalist out of US, uh, USA Awards. Uh, oh, I couldn't be more proud of her uh, with her books. Uh, her first book was uh, Jules the Lighthouse Dog uh, when we lived out in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, story of one of our dogs at the lighthouse and looking uh, for his uh what he's going to do in life, and he and he finds it, and and then uh, like I said, Kid Canine was one of her other books, uh, another story of a dog, and uh, what he wants to do, and uh, how he finds uh, the power of his smile, mm, and then just that. perfect, uh, another story of a dog, who thinks he's he's the perfect one until he realizes there's various uh, different shapes and sizes of dogs out there, and he learns about diversity and that we're, everybody is perfect. And like I said, uh, the Crowded Backyard, the newest one, is about, uh, like I said, she uses dogs as a theme because uh, that reaches across all genders. And they're not specifically about dogs themselves. It's just that's the type of character she uses to tell her stories. And Just Perfect is about how your attitude uh, indicates how you view the world. And this is about a little dog who's, uh, uh, like I said, he feels his yard is very crowded and... uh, he learns to uh, look at things differently and view the world differently, and all of a sudden it's not a crowded backyard, but it's a full, enriching yard that he just enjoys being in. Love it. Well, uh, please pass on my admiration. Keep up the good work. And if she ever wants to come on the radio or the television show anyway and talk about those books, she's got a standing invitation. Don't okay, I'll pass it. that on to her, Jim. Yeah, good. And I want to thank you again and uh, for taking the time on Saturday to share with our audience uh, by the response that we continue to get. It's been very well received, and uh, I want to thank Heather for facilitating uh, our, our get-together, and uh, and you have been a pleasure, sir. So thank you for your time and your service. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak about the Coast Guard, and, I, and, and more importantly, I appreciate the having this opportunity to show the support that you have for the Coast Guard and and the support that we're getting from everybody and all your listeners. So thank you very much. You're welcome, sir. And you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Jim. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, boy, what a a pleasure. What a pleasure. Uh, We've had uh, Captain Custer, the Chief of Staff for the 17th Guard District, our guest this morning. Uh, a huge, huge array of uh, topic, and uh, I could not be happier uh, to be able to share in this message of what the Coast Guard's doing. And once again, I want to say, reach out a special thanks for the to the Center for Homeland Defense and Security, and specifically Heather Isaron for facilitating this meeting. And Monday, our television show, 1 p.m. Pacific. Um, you can view it uh, live at jlwcos.tv and Comcast uh, KYMB TV, Comcast Channel 19, every Monday from 1 to 2 Pacific. So, and next week we'll be back at a regular time. So, I want to thank you and everyone have a great day and a great weekend. Until then. You've been listening to Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Please visit our website, jlwhiteinternational.com. Join us next time as Jim White brings it all together on Jim White's Circle of Success Radio.
like to be able to come up and maybe do some shows from there as well. So I I love what you're doing, and I'm going to see if I can get that on the calendar. You there, buddy? I lost you.